Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Monday evening. So much to discuss. I think the obvious question as you look out into the horizon, can 2020 get any nuttier with, with the news that happened on Friday with the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg? We're going to touch on that uh, this evening. There's so much to discuss. President Trump actually just wrapped up a rally in Swanton, Ohio. <laughs> We thought we were going to have him live because he spoke for, you know, I think it was an hour and 45 minutes in Bemidji on Friday. So we figured, hey, Trump's on fire. He's going to keep going. I think it started at 6 o'clock our time, and he was done fairly soon for some reason. So we'll talk about Bemidji in a moment as well. You can see here, I believe this is a live side of the Fargo City Commission meeting. They have their meeting tonight. They were going to reevaluate if Fargo should implement some form of mask mandate because of the COVID-19 situation. Apparently what they're going to do is they're going to vote on couple of ordinances, one that will have penalties, one that won't. But just so we're clear, there is no vote on a mask mandate at this time. So the ordinance they're even going to vote on will happen, I believe, sometime uh, in October. So we'll keep you abreast on, obviously, all that news. Now, let's talk about Friday night, what we're calling Mega Midgey, right? <laughs> Make America Great Again movement. You've got Bemidji folks. Friday night, I, I showed up there. People in line since like 3.30 in the morning, people staying overnight. Here's what I think is fascinating. Well, there's a lot, but the fact that Bemidji's total population in 2018 is like 15,000, right? Total population. At this event, we're talking about roughly 11 to 15,000 people at a presidential rally. And oh, by the way, let's just remind you that uh, Governor Walls, the governor from Minnesota, put out an email last week saying, um, presidential candidates, can you guys please keep your events to 250 people? 200, I mean, look at that. It, it was, the energy was incredible. People are fired up. And that's why when you see that, that, that kind of crowd and you hear polls of Joe Biden up by nine in Minnesota, I mean, unless I am just totally detached from Minneapolis and St. Paul, there is no way that Donald Trump is, I mean, excuse me, that Joe Biden is up by nine points uh, over President Trump. President Trump gets up there, as I said a moment ago, spoke for an hour and 45 minutes, was on fire. And what was incredible is that during his speech, and we all, we all know the importance of the Supreme Court, right? I mean, President Trump's already had two justices he's been able to put on the bench. You start changing the courts, you change the trajectory of our nation. So during his speech, my phone just starts pinging, pinging, pinging from people and news alerts that RBG, the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, passes away. First and foremost, prayers and condolences to her, her family, and everyone around her. Incredible woman, lawyer, incredible Supreme Court justice. But I mean, I almost dropped my phone, thinking that you've got the President of the United States here in Bemidji, and now a potentially third SCOTUS nominee, I mean, potentially third SCOTUS nominee, and we all know where our nation's at right now. I mean, it is a tinderbox. And what I'm most concerned about right now, folks, and I hope that we can all kind of keep our eye on this, is the fact that we see these battles, literally battles happening all over the country. In fact, today, the Justice Department just declared New York City, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington as jurisdictions permitting violence and destruction of property. I mean, the, the Department of Justice is now <laughs> labeling them with those kind of jurisdictions. So. Things are a tinderbox out there. And now you start to throw a Supreme Court justice hearing, you know, advising consent, nomination in the mix here, folks. And keep in mind, we've talked about this, and you're going to hear more from Jason Lewis in a moment about it. But in Minnesota alone, and there's, there's multiple states this is going to be happening, but in Minnesota alone, 
you can count votes until November 10th. My point is that if, if President Trump, and this is an if, if there's not a landslide on November 3rd, and I believe personally that the Supreme Court justice nominee could potentially make it a landslide for President Trump, you know, email into the show if you think differently, but I think this is a very big deal because typically conservatives get out and vote when it comes to a Supreme Court nominee. But my point is that you start to have this election be very muddy, very murky. Nobody knows the results on November 3rd, November 4th, and it carries out for quite some time. And then if the GOP doesn't do their job, then you've got a court, a Supreme Court at 4-4 for a potential tie about anything that could be decided by them. It is a tinderbox. So please be praying for our nation starting now. I mean, right now. Now, I'm sure you've seen President Trump, uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said, hey, look, we are going to put a vote on the Senate floor regarding to fill the Supreme Court justice seat. Many of the Democrats are saying you shouldn't be doing this. It's a presidential election year. But the thing that a lot of people aren't sharing with you is the fact that w when you have this in the past, like right now you've got a Republican president and a Republican Senate majority. Of course they're going to do the vote, or they should do the vote, right? And I'm not saying that two wrongs make a right, but just as a reminder, in 2016, when you had the Merrick Garland situation come up and there was a Democrat president and a Republican Senate, I want to remind you what some Democrats were saying about the importance and if there should be a vote on a Supreme Court justice nominee. The American people deserve a fully staffed court of nine. The president nominates and then the Senate advises and consents or not, but they go forward with the process. What we're seeing here, and I hope this is temporary, is a disrespect for the Constitution. The Constitution is 100% clear. The president of the United States has the right to nominate someone to be a justice of the Supreme Court. Senate's function is to hold hearings and to vote. <laughs> the Constitution, as Bernie Sanders would say, it's 100% clear. So clearly, President Trump, which he said this morning, he's going to nominate somebody either Friday or Saturday. He wants to have time to pay our respects to uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But then Friday or Saturday, he's going to announce who that's going to be. And the Constitution's clear. He needs to make that announcement, needs to put somebody up, and the GOP needs to vote on it. Now, what's fascinating about this whole situation, and we're going to have Senator Kevin Kramer on the show tomorrow night, is, is the impact this could have on the U.S. Senate. You look at Colorado, Arizona, Maine, different states out there that are very, very close. And I think one race that's going to be dramatically impacted by this um, SCOTUS situation is going to be the U.S. Senate race in Minnesota. We all know if you're a conservative Republican that a SCOTUS seat is going to get you fired up. There's going to be a lot of people that, yes, they're going to plug their noses, but vote for Donald Trump because, simply because of the Supreme Court. I mean, this could be legendary if President Trump gets reelected and what it could mean for our courts and for our country for decades and decades and decades to come. So at the event on Friday, President Trump, he spoke quite some time <laughs> regarding Jason Lewis and this race. But I just want to give you a quick snippet because President Trump was talking about Minnesota winning, winning dramatically, too much winning in Minnesota. And then he had this to say about Jason Lewis. But you're going to win so much. And you're going to send Jason to the U.S. Senate? And you're going to keep winning and winning and winning. You're going to win on trade. You're going to win on the military. You're going to win on everything you touch. Minnesota's going to keep on winning. And you're going to get tired of winning. Because Minnesota doesn't want to win all the time. Your football team is going to win in the Big Ten. Now we're going to keep 
to the president, see him to the Oval Office, stop him from winning. We're winning too much in Minnesota. We can't stand it, Jason. Please, please, Jason, stop him from winning so much in Minnesota. A little bit tough audio there, but you can tell, obviously, President Trump having fun going, hey, too much winning happening here in Minnesota. Now, before uh, President Trump spoke on Friday, I had a chance to catch up with Jason Lewis to talk more about, uh, obviously, his U.S. Senate race, President Trump being in Bemidji, but also about this idea that you can count votes until November 10th and listen closely about what Jason has to say. Remember, he's filed a lawsuit against Governor Walls and the Walls administration regarding the shutdown and uh, not being able to have, you know, our First Amendment rights to peacefully assemble and listen to how the Walls administration defends uh, their executive orders. Here's more from Jason Lewis from Friday night. Right here we've got Jason Lewis. He was just up speaking a moment ago as we've talked about. Uh, he's running against U.S. Senator Tina Smith. I got to start with this because I think this is so great. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Governor Walls earlier this week sent out a like a presser, hey, I want you presidential candidates to limit these events at 250. <laughs> looks like looks like they were listening to him on that about the way they listened to him on everything else. Yeah, what a crowd, uh, and they're still lined up outside. I mean, this is this is amazing. First time I believe in history a president's come to Bemidji, so this is huge. And you saw that round of applause for line three. People are looking for someone to represent folks out here, and they just have not had it. So we're going to represent all Minnesotans, and that means uh, greater Minnesota. Well, and I love the applause line that you got. So if you want to sort of revisit that for the people that are just tuning in right now, but you know, you said to me today, we got to reopen Minnesota. You know, it's funny. I, I tell people, consultants, right, that you know the riots are very serious. We have to restore public order. But what laid the foundation for the angst, Chris, was the idea that you took away my business, you took away my child's education, you threatened to sue me, sue a rodeo, or fine me, take away my liquor license, whatever. And then when real lawbreakers were out, you didn't do anything. So the two are symbiotic. And yeah, people are ready to get back to work. Um, the, the cure will be worse than the disease if we don't get this state open up again. Well, one thing I want to dive into with you a little bit more, because you are, you know this TikTok, is that you have now filed a lawsuit, and you said to me last week, or this week, I should say, right. hey, Chris, they said in their defense that they did, they weren't really going to enforce this. What did, what did that mean exactly? They Explain call it, it you're, you're going to love this, they call it serial mootness, that the, that the executive orders <laughs> will moot because some have expired and we probably won't reintroduce them. Well, Joe Biden's talking about martial law and a, ma a federal mass mandate. Of course they'll reintroduce them. You got the LA public county, or the LA County public health director say, well, we got to keep the school shut until election day. So of course this has been politicized. So that, that argument is silly. And the other argument was, well, Lewis can campaign in other ways. So we're going to let the government decide how you're going to assemble, how you're going to conduct your free speech. And then the beauty, the real beauty was they said, well, we're not impeding his interstate travel. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not Joe Biden thinking I'm running in Michigan, right? I'm running in Minnesota. So it, I thought their case was, uh, was fairly weak. The judge referenced that Pennsylvania decision uh, a couple of times. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to win, but um, you know, I, I'm interested to see the decision. But look, what, what it says to all these people out here is you've got somebody fighting for you. Exactly. And I think you know, the fact that you referenced that, it sets a precedence. I mean, I, I want to say this because I just said this a moment ago. When you look at this, if the election were today, Donald Trump gets these 10 electoral votes and you win, don't you think? Right. I think so. Um, all the polls in the last month have had us within the margin of error. Uh, two points, three points, tied. And you just didn't see that. You know, in 16, Hillary was up by 11. So if we're down two or tied, we're probably up. 
And I do think the, the silent majority is going to be much bigger this time, just because the mob is threatening people. So folks naturally don't like conflict. I understand that. So they're saying, I'm going to be quiet until Election Day. So it's about numbers. What are you hearing in suburban Minneapolis from moms? And what's their conversation like? Well, you mentioned our poll, and, and we're coming strong. We're getting the independent vote. We're ahead with independents. And I think a lot of those are in the suburbs saying, look, um, uh, I did not vote for the lack of the rule of law. I did not vote for riots, for lawlessness. I love their argument. Well, it's peaceful protest, Chris. Yeah, $2 billion of damage worth of peaceful protest. Are you kidding me? I get your comment on this because I saw this a couple days ago. We're now in Minneapolis from 2019 to 2020. They saw an 87% increase in homicides. Right. I mean, all those people should be locked up for just their complete inability to do their job. Your response? Well, once the governor and the mayor said, third precinct, you want that? We'll stand down. You can have it. Um, it went out. The clarion call went out. You win. We give up. And so these people are not afraid of the police anymore. There aren't police because black chiefs of police are resigning all over, and this was supposed to be about equality and justice, which we all subscribe to and all believe in, but it's the African-American, the Hispanic chiefs across the country that are saying, you don't have our back. So this is about Antifa and lawlessness. The, the basic function of government is public order and safety. If you don't have that, nothing much else matters. And the Democrats are just saying, we're going to intimidate you. In fact, they're just saying it now. If you don't vote the right way on November 3rd, look out, right? That's a party you want in power? I don't think so. So with that being said, Michelle Fishbach just mentioned, today's the first day of early voting in Minnesota. Right. This week you said, hey, Chris, one of the issues we're gonna bump into, and I want you to explain this to the people like they're, like I'm a five-year-old, I should say, mm. is that they can count votes. Well, you votes. are a little younger than me, but <laughs> not quite that much. <laughs> they can count votes until November 10th. Yeah, it's really crazy. Post office says, look, we need two weeks once you mail in a ballot to process it. Um, we can vote up until Election Day, postmarked on a mail-in, and then they got till November 10th, just a week to count it. I don't think they're going to get done. You don't think so? Well, I mean, the, the post office says we need two weeks. So if you're going to, if you want the ballots in by November 3rd, when they should be in, not postmarked, they should be in, you'd have to do it in the middle of October, right? They've got till November 3rd to have the ballot postmarked, but then it counts till November 10th. So there's a couple of problems. One, the Democrats just might say, oh, we're down 20,000 votes. After the election, where can we find them? And you know, I don't exaggerate by much, given Coleman Franken, right? And the other one is, there's not going to be time enough in a week to process those ballots. So if I don't mail my ballot till November 3rd, get that postmark, it's going to get processed in a week? No. I'm going to have you back up just a moment, sir. Just, there you go. So you're safe there. Um, I guess the, the thing is you, you can sense the frustration from people that want law and order. And there's, what, 49 days left until Election Day or yeah. something like that? So for the people that are watching that are frustrated, and a lot of people are like, okay, but what, what can I do? What, what, what's well, this? one thing you don't do is donate to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which bails out hardened criminals and, and uh, one fellow accused of sexually abusing an eight-year-old. And Kamala Harris says bail them out or, or do that, and my opponent, Tina Smith, won't condemn that. She won't denounce Omar. She won't denounce Antifa. Um, the Democrats are leaning in on this radicalism, thinking all that matters is the hard left urban core. These people say otherwise. Anything else you want to add, sir? Well, I'm really excited. I think this is a real opportunity for Minnesota to be next in line after Michigan and Wisconsin and Minnesota. But more importantly, it's a chance for us to represent the forgotten man and woman out here in greater Minnesota. And that's what I intend to do. Thank you for the time, man. We appreciate it. It's always great to see you, buddy. Great interview. Thank you so much to Jason Lewis for his time and insight there. A few things to note again, watch that race. Now with the Supreme Court seat 
uh, open. Watch that race. Tighten money pour in. It's going to be talked about, I think, a lot more. Also, you mentioned the Minnesota Freedom Fund. If you haven't heard about that story, I don't want to get into the details tonight, but check it out. It's pretty uh, egregious what's happened there and who they're bailing out with that Minnesota Freedom Fund. Now, some good news in Minnesota, the fact that President Trump was in town is the fact that, yes, football is going to be back. Practice starts September 28th. They're going to have, it sounds like, a six-game regular season, a couple uh, post-games as well. Really about the districts. There's not going to be like a big state championship game or whatnot. But you, I, think, I think you can see here that people are starting to realize, look, Big Ten is back. ACC is back. SEC is back. The NFL is back. you got North Dakota football back. Um, and maybe there's been a couple outbreaks and whatnot, but I don't think there's anything really uh, horrible that's happened from high school sports being back. And so hopefully, it doesn't like it's going to happen, but hopefully we're going to see the Missouri Valley Conference follow suit to have some more Bison games as well. I don't know. Would love to see it. So we shall see. All right, stick around. I'd love to know your point of view there on President Trump. Uh, if you're at the rally, please share your favorite moment that you had from his speech or just from the day overall. When we come back, we got a short clip from the Minnesota GOP chairwoman, Jennifer Carnahan. Of course, your points of view and much more coming up right after this.